This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 17th of January 2012. For newcomers, always go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. You'll find over a thousand audios for download for free. And hopefully you'll understand this massive system that overlays the world, a system you were born into, a system that's very seldom mentioned directly as to what it actually is on mainstream. They give you lots of little names and organizations and international clubs, etc. But you don't realize that you're run by a global system that was set in place an awful long time ago and that governments are simply basically puppets. It's a show you get for government uh, to make you think you're democratic, which they're still using democracy to flatten other countries too. But in reality, there's no democracy at all. Because private organizations and big foundations which fund them, which are owned by international bankers, basically, are running the world. They have been for a long, long time, uh, and they've been taking up and buying up or having wars to grab uh, all the natural resources of the world. And they're bringing in their perfect system of control, rather than this willy-nilly stuff where you marry who you want and have children and you decide what you want to work at, etc. No, it'll all be done for you from childhood. That's if you're allowed to be born. You won't be born if they don't need you, you see. They want a properly planned society. And you, it's really to fit in with the new type of economy that's coming in across the globe. Well on its way, some people call it Marxism, some people call it Trotskyist Marxism. doesn't matter what you want to call it, it's all the same thing. And it's a very old plan, and we're well into it, well into it today. So help yourself to the audios at cuttingthroughmatrix.com. All the sites listed also have transcripts for download for print-up. And remember, too, if you want transcripts in other languages, go into alanwattsentinel.eu, and you'll find a bunch to choose from there for print-up. Number two, you are the audience that bring me to you. You can keep me going because I'm not a business as such. I'm not, uh, I don't have shares in any products that are getting sold. I don't own any products that are getting sold. All I, all I do is sell the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And that keeps me ticking over, hopefully, uh, through thick and thin. So you can buy the books from the U.S. to Canada. You can use a personal check or an international postal money order. Or you can use PayPal or you can just send cash. Some people across the world also use Western Union or MoneyGram and PayPal once again to order. Remember, street donations are terribly welcome. What I do on this program is not to keep in the dark, not to give you false hopes either or, or get you back into the illusion uh, that you can go back in time to some previous time when it wasn't quite so bad. I tell you the hard facts and people, people who are really, uh, haven't really woken up, um, who look for someone to come and do it all for them. That's really like the movies, you know, Clint Eastwood writes in the town and cleans up the dirty old town for all the, all the townsfolk that sit back and are terrified. But sure enough, he, he cleans them up himself. That's what the general public want. They don't want to face the really bad news of how far this has gone and how all encompassing it is too into every facet of your life today. And they personally don't want to do anything about it either. 
they'll sit, sure enough, and listen to even to shows like this, but they'll, they'll actually want someone else to do it for them. Just talking about it isn't is stopping it. Uh, talking about it hopefully spreads the word. And, and then again, it comes down to the old story. Do you form organizations uh, that, that will not be infiltrated, or at least if they are infiltrated, you can get it back on track? Or, or what do you do about it? It's up to yourselves. My, my job, as I see it, is not to tell you what to do, but simply to tell you where you are, what's really going on, and bring you into reality. Reality doesn't come custom-made for you. It's very tough to handle reality. It's really tough. And you have to often throw away all your you know, things that you've held on to so dearly, concepts. You've heard it's even your indoctrination at school, all the things that you're really passionate about. You can if you throw them all out the window at times, realize you've been farmed, farmed like Charles Fort said. Back more after this. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix and. Most of what we get from the news is simply lies. I mean, that's the bottom line. Uh, they're, they're part of government. The, the, the big CFR boys own governments, and so they all work together to make sure the public are properly lied to. And uh, they don't tell you a complete lie, they'll tell you a half-truth, and you'll come to the, the desired conclusions by having half the information missing. So it's quite easy to lie to the public without technically breaking. It's an awful legalistic at the top. Really awfully legalistic. But they do uh, really keep us in the dark. That's their job. Or, or else we'd always be complaining about what they're up to, you see. So just tell us nothing or lie to us or, or, or give us some story that gets us all upset. And sure enough, we get pulled into that and we don't watch what's happening behind our backs. That's how government works. So... When Fukushima went up at the time, and of course it was all over the papers here, oh, they're lying to their own people, oh, how terrible. I says, our people will do the same to us. And sure enough, it comes out now, you know, now, you see, now that most folk have gone back to sleep and, and it's sports week or something or whatever it is, it says, this is from the, the Montreal Gazette, it says, after the Fukushima nuclear accident, Canadian health officials assured a nervous public that virtually no radioactive fallout had drifted to Canada. Remember, I was putting up the sites at the time. It showed you the stuff coming across and right across Canada and all across the Great Lakes, too. Hawaii was getting hammered with it. And, and, but it's coming right up in the Great Lakes of Canada and into my area as well and going on further west. And, uh, and all, all that time, the government kept saying, oh, there's, there's no, oh, it's minuscule, minuscule and, and, and you know, ludicrous and preposterous. Stuff like that was getting put out by the Canadian government. So it says Canadian health officials assured nervous plight no radioactive fallout had drifted to Canada. But last March, a Health Canada monitoring station in Calgary detected an average of 8.18 becquerels per litre. That's a lot of radioactive iodine, and it says an isotope released by the nuclear accident in rainwater, the data shows. The level easily exceeded the Canadian guideline of six becquerels of iodine per litre for drinking water, acknowledged Eric Pellerin, Chief of Health Canada's Radiation Surveillance Division. It's above the recommended level for drinking water, he said in an interview. At any time you sample it, it should not exceed the guideline. Canadian authorities didn't disclose the high radiation uh, at the time. Uh, of course they didn't, because, again, they got to lie to you. That's what they do best. That's the first thing you think of when they think of. You better lie to the public. So 
here we are drinking this water. And it'll be all their beer too, of course, I guess, as well. The stuff that's made in Canada. And they, they guzzle a lot of that. It says, in contrast, the state of Virginia issued a don't drink rainwater advisory in late March after iodine levels in rain in a nearby city spiked 3.4 becquerels per litre on a single day. That was less than half of the levels seen in Calgary during the entire month of March. Radioactive iodine also appeared in smaller amounts in March in Vancouver, which saw an average of 0.69 becquerels per litre in rainwater, up from zero before Fukushima. Winnipeg, which got 0.64 becquerels per litre, and Ottawa, which had 1.67 becquerels per litre, the data shows. These other levels didn't exceed the Canadian limit for drinking water, but the level in Ottawa did surpass the more stringent uh, ceiling for drinking water used by U.S. environmental protection agencies. So every, every country's got its own levels, you see. It depends how, how um, essential uh, uh, and how much money they're bringing in for government the taxpayer is. And in Canada, it's pretty well, we're already taxed to the gills here. So it, it doesn't really matter if they bump a few of us off. And plus, immigration's doing well, too. It says the data isn't posted on Health Canada's webpage devoted to the impacts of Fukushima, so they haven't put it up. So it says, Perrin said he doesn't know why Health Canada didn't make the, the data public. I can't answer that. The communication aspect could be improved. He's definitely a politician. Eh? The rainwater data also raises questions about how Ottawa monitors radiation after a nuclear crisis. Some of Health Canada's members, uh, numbers are much more lower than those reported by other radiation researchers. Simon Fraser, University nuclear chemist, uh, Krzysztof uh, Starosta, found iodine levels in rainwater in Burnaby, B.C. spiked to 13 becquerels per litre in March, many times higher than the levels Health Canada detected in nearby Vancouver. Rain was tested only at the end of each month after a network of monitoring stations sent samples to Ottawa. This meant the radiation spikes last March were only discovered in early April after rainwater samples were sent to Ottawa for testing, too late to alert the public. And it's not amazing, eh? It takes all this time for them to get from the government to us the information, eh, from March to, to now. That's government, eh? Uh, including those who collect rain, rain for drinking and gardening. In contrast, the EPA tested the rain for radiation every day and immediately reported the data on its website. So there's a difference between the U.S. and Canada. And how important you are in the government's uh, eyes, I guess. So uh, Canada was testing it every month. But believe you me, they were pulling down every site that had uh, had the um, the graphs of the stuff coming over. And all the different types of radiation that was coming along with it. And we were getting hammered, hammered here. So uh, we're, we're definitely all got uh, bad news coming down the road uh, as we all go down, I guess. But that falls in with the depopulation thing pretty well as well. And remember, radioactive iodine goes for your thyroid gland because it's got an uptake in it, and then it produces thyroxin, which regulates your body's metabolistic system. But um, it says here, uh, this article here is in USA Today. It says, it's just a mystery, this. Doctors are unsure why thyroid cancer cases are on the rise. It's, a, it's an absolute mystery. Yep. So it's thyroid cancer, which affects about 11 people per 100,000 each year, seems to be on the rise. It's a trend that baffles medical researchers. Yeah. So I'll put that link up as well. And um, you can have a, 
a look at that. It says, National Cancer Institute suggests that in recent years, the numbers of cases of this often curable cancer, as if you get it really early, has increased by about 6.5%. Over a decade, that has added up to make it thyroid cancer the fastest increasing cancer, says Todd Huntley, an Otoli laryngologist, I love their names, eh? and head and neck surgeon with the Center for Ear, Nose and Throat and RG in Indianapolis. Ten years ago, if I saw uh, four new thyroid cancer patients a year, it would have been a lot, says G. Irene Miner, a radiation oncologist with uh, Indiana University Health Center, Indiana Center, uh, Cancer Center. Now sometimes I see that many in a month, and I have seen three in a week. Thyroid cancer is more common in women younger than 45, Miner said. Doctors don't know why that's the case, but thyroid problems in general, such as hyper or hypothyroidism, are more common in women. Uh, and, uh, and it goes about what it does and so on. So they, they, it's just they're stumped, of course. Stumped. Just one of these things was stumped. You know. We can clone you if you want, or we can clone a bit of you, if you want, but we just don't know what causes this awful disease. You know, it's just stumped. Yeah. That's what we're told at this level of medicine. Now, BASF moves its genetic modification stuff out of Europe, its division out of Europe, it says here. This is moving its plant uh, uh, out of Europe because there's still a lack of acceptance for this technology in many parts of Europe. This is the GM food. Uh, This is from the majority of consumers, farmers, and politicians. Its HQ will relocate to the U.S., and BASF says uh, development and commercialization of all GM crops targeted solely at cultivation in the European market will also be halted. These include genetically modified starch potatoes, Amflora, Amadia, and Modena, a potato resistant to the disease uh, late blight called Fortuna, as well as a late blight uh, resistant starch potato wheat in a wheat variety resistant to fungal disease. However, this is to maintain all options for the uh, potato products. BSF plant science will continue the regulatory approval process for the products already started. While some countries have chucked it out altogether, like Hungary was one of them, I think, earlier in the year. So that's one that's pulling back, but they're not giving up because the U.S. has decided, they've been lobbied big time by Monsanto and others, to uh, put, uh, rest, you know, put restrictions on these countries, put, lean on them, if you like, to accept their GM crops from the U.S. So it's literally a war has been declared. Unless you accept this stuff, we won't give you this, this, and this, and, or buy your stuff, and blah, blah, blah. That's how it's done in real, the real world, you see. Now... The National Health Service is quite a system that the U.S. is coming, is bringing it in right now, in fact, as we speak. has been for a few years. In fact, it was even bringing it in before Obama got in. But in a closing war, it's all over the place in some of the biggest hospitals in the big cities. Uh, but it says, sentenced to death on the National Health Service. So the U.S. has got this to look forward to. Patients with terminal illnesses are being made to die prematurely under a National Health Service scheme to help end their lives. Leading doctors have warned. Now, I've mentioned it before, the pathways, they call it, and all the rest of it. It says, in a letter to the Daily Telegraph, a group of experts who care for the terminally ill claim that some patients are being wrongly judged as close to death. So they're not close to death, but they're saying, well, yeah, it's close to death. Under the National Health Service guidance introduced across Europe or England to help doctors and medical staff deal with dying patients, they can then have fluid and drugs withdrawn, and many are put on continuous sedation until they pass away. That's standard everywhere right now, actually, even in the States too, if you're poor. This approach can also mask the signs that the condition is improving, the experts warn. 
As a result, the scheme is causing a national crisis in patient care, the letter states. It's been signed by palliative care experts, including Professor Peter Millard, Meritus Professor of Geriatrics, University of London, Dr. Peter Hargreaves, a consultant in palliative medicine at St. Luke's Cancer Centre in Guildford, and four others. Forecasting death is an inexact science, they say. Patients are being diagnosed as being close to death without regard to the fact that the diagnosis could be wrong. So they're bumping people off. As a result, a national wave of discontent is building up as family and friends witness the, fight, the, the denial of fluids and food to patients. Um, this is the 21st century, and this is what they do to kill you. Eh? You can't drink and you can't eat. Yeah, it's just, I mean, the warning comes just a week after a report by the Patients Association estimated that up to one million patients had received poor or cruel care on the National Health Service. To understand we're just peons now, now, you know, oh, there's too many people, oh, you know, what good are they anyway? They're old, you know, they don't, cons- they don't produce anything, they just consume. That's from the United Nations. Definition of a good citizen, a producer and consumer. And you're, you're spending all that pension money that you paid into. The government wants that. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix. And I've mentioned quite a few occasions that... that, that uh, the terms are using from the, the NGO groups and from the foundations, from the United Nations and others to do with globalism for, for the big changes we're going through right now from community level to global level. Uh, they actually call it transitions. I mentioned that before, great transitions. Uh, the big society is part of great transitions program uh, and things like that, so they're, they're putting through. And I was reading from Sustaining the U.S. Global Leadership Report that just came out, Priorities for the 21st Century uh, Defense, it says here. It's quite interesting because most of it isn't about defense at all, but it's from Obama, and it says January 2012. And I'll put this link up tonight too, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. But when you read through it, um, it, we're right into Marxism big time. It clearly tells you that. It actually uses all the terminology too, transitions and so on. Our nation is at a moment of transition, no kidding. And it talks about the wars and so on, and puts the best face on all the wars. And putting the best face on the fiscal house or, and to get it into order uh, and all that stuff, you know. And then as commander-in-chief, I'm determined that we meet the challenges of this moment. Yada, 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 yada. And then it goes on. When you look through it there, you, you talk about... Um, they talk about the security of the nation, uh, the security of the nation, allies and partners. And then they go into prosperity that flows from an open and free international economic system. <laughs> see, that's total free trade globally, you see. Which, of course, the, the Milner Group that became the Royal Institute of International Affairs was pushing 100 years ago. They said they'd bring the system in and the redistribution of wealth. That's your tax money across the planet. Uh, which is also Marxism. It's then we seek a just and sustainable international order. There you go. Is that your job is to seek a just and sustainable? Explain just. I mean, who, by whose definition is just, you know? And sustainable international order. That's population levels and how much you get and austerity and everything else. Where the rights and responsibilities of nations and peoples are upheld, especially the fundamental rights of every human being. Is that the job of the U.S. to go around the world having wars, supposedly, let's let's all pretend along with them, you know, let's pretend with them. That's all to get justice across the world, right? 
And is that the job of the U.S.? And it says, indeed, as, as we end today's wars, we will focus on a broader range of challenges and opportunities, including the security and prosperity of the Asia-Pacific. Is that your job, too, to put your tax money to building up the prosperity of the Asia-Pacific? As a new generation across the Middle East and North Africa demands their universal rights, really, we are, please stop bombing us. We are, we are supporting political and economic reform and deepening partnerships. This is your part, again, partnerships. That's all these treaties they make to ensure regional security, as with Canada as well. In contrast to the murderous uh, vision of violent extremists, I wonder who, did they use air forces, these guys, these violent extremists? We are joining with allies and partners around the world to build their capacity to promote security, prosperity, and human dignity. That's collecting body parts and putting them in bags. And the growing capabilities of allies and partners as demonstrated in the successful mission to protect the Libyan people. It's to protect the Libyan people. Do you understand? That's what it's all, to protect them. Even though Mr. Haas at the CFR uh, said, well, we used that, but it was all lies. <laughs> to create new opportunities for burden share, and that means uh, plundering your, your country's resources. Anyway, I'll put this up and you'll see all the, 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 the PC terminology has been written by whoever wrote it for Obama. And, um, and we're all one now. We're all global, etc. And, uh, we're putting our wealth across the planet and making sure that everybody's got free trade. And, uh, oh, it's just wonderful. And how the U.S. is going to use their armed forces all set to make sure this comes in, you know. And, uh, it just brings a tear to the eye there. I can hear all these Hollywood war songs played in my head already right now. So it's got all the priorities listed down for the 21st century defense. And uh, there's a lot of nonsense in it, of course. But it also mentions the fact that there is also moving the eyes off to the Asia-Pacific and, and so on, while still uh, policing the Middle East. Uh, it just goes on and on. Anyway, I'll, I'll put it for you to cry over if you want to have a, a wee deco at it. Now, I mentioned before, too, about how Bertrand Russell and many others uh, talked about getting a compliant society, a society that's not too bright. So they talked about fluoride, of course. They've been using fluoride but long before they came along to dumb us down and make us rather content, you know. And um, also to, to give us injections. The needle would be used to lower our IQs, again, attacking the brain. Now, you'll notice that all these massive amounts of injections that little children get, these inoculations or vaccines, as like they call them, uh, the, the doctors are all, all told and all taught, like, they are like parrots, you know, everybody goes in, who gets a license for anything becomes a parrot, and you just parrot what you've been taught. And they tell you, now, go home, Mrs. Brown, and uh, he might have a wee fever, and his, his, his head might be rather hot, but it's okay, there's nothing wrong with it. And I've talked about, well, when you get heat coming off the head, there's inflammation in there, folks. There's inflammation in the brain, you see. And what does it consist of? Well, you've got, you've, you've got uh, basically um, dead and dying tissue. That's what you get with inflammation, dead and dying, and other stuff's getting repaired, other stuff's using phages sites to take away the bad bits that are all dead already. But it's, your IQ kind of drops a bit. And in extreme cases, you end up with autism and different things like that. And degrees of it as well, by the way, where you can't have any attention, you can't hold attention on anything. These are all degrees of the same problems. So this article here is about inflammation of the brain. And it goes through it. It says inflammation is a biochemical process resulting from pathogens, irritants, or damaged cells. It should not be compared to infection, although inflammation can result from infection. And on and on it goes, right down to the bottom. 
And then it tells you that also it can be caused by, again, vaccine. Oh, vaccine can occasionally cause inflammation in the brain. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix and talking about basically the effects of various things that cause inflammation in the brain, especially of infants. And this article I'm reading is from uh, from the actual uh, vaccination uh, medical council or medical council on vaccination, and it says here that um, uh, it says that uh, an allergic reaction to vaccinations, as per the National Institutes of Health, can also can cause encephalitis with brain swelling. Encephalitis was included as one of the vaccine injuries to be compensated for under the 1986 National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act to do with actually inoculations, you see, or vaccines. But it says here uh, that um, it gives you all the different diseases that, can, that are known to cause it as well, and autoimmune diseases, and, and various, on it goes. But right down the bottom, as I say, it gives you the, 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 the connection with vaccine injuries under the 1986 National Childhood Vaccination, or, uh, Vaccine Act or Injury Act. Says, by way of the explanation, the term lipid peroxidation refers to lipid degradation resulting from free radical generation from a series of pro-inflammatory chain reactions, which can be very damaging if the process is prolonged. Didn't you think that free radicals was a movement to get guys out of prison? I actually think that. Free radicals in turn refer to atoms with unpaired electrons. I guess you need an electrician. Resulting in heightened instability and reactivity, the end result of abnormally prolonged lipid peroxidation may be abnormal brain inflammation with secondary brain edema, that's swelling in the brain. This is of all the organs of the body, the brain is the most susceptible to oxidative degradation, commonly referred to as lipid peroxidation. Although an infant's brain receives 15% of normal cardiac output, it utilizes nearly 25% of the body's oxygenation. As elevated oxygen levels in the environment being increased risk of explosions of fire compared to physiological risks exist in the brain. In addition to being a highly oxygenated organ, the human brain has heightened vulnerability to harmful peroxidation because the brain has by far the highest fat content of any organ of the body with membrane lipids constituting 60% of the solid matter. And, another, and it's true, you need cholesterol for the brain. The more you reduce your cholesterol, you know, be careful how far you reduce it. In addition, both brain and retina contain a relatively high percentage of omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acid. And it says here, um, in essence, the brain might be compared with a highly inflammable dry grass or brushing clothes in an area with elevated oxygen levels, needing only a spark to set off a conflagration of inflammatory lipid peroxidation. In all likelihood, vaccine adjuvants provide the spark uh, far more often than generally realized. I think it's more than just the adjuvants. I think it's, they're mostly designed to do what they're actually doing. Since all the big globalists a long time ago talked about ways to dumb us down to make us... You know, it's easy to handle. Nobody, nobody complains now when gasoline goes up or, or anything goes, oh, uh-huh. they don't want to hear it. They just don't want to hear it. Yep. Now, Hungary 
as I say, uh, is now under the gun of the EU, who is flexing its muscle, and says the EU opens legal action against Hungary over new laws. And it says the European Commission, the EU's executive arm, has opened legal... Actually, the whole darn thing is executive arm in the EU. Has opened legal proceedings against Hungary over reforms to its central bank, data protection and judiciary. It says it's not going to go along, in other words, with the IMF's austerity program. That's the reason for it. Uh, it says um, they've been given a month to respond to the Commission's concerns. Or it doesn't say or, or else... <laughs> Critics say the new central bank law puts the banks into independence at risk. See, everybody should get put under this private central bank for the, remember Marx said everything and Lenin said too, centralization is the key. Everything has to be centralized. And under the IMF, you've got the BIS, the, the Bank for International Settlements in Basel. That's the big one that Carl Quigley talked about. And the idea is that all these private central banks that, that, ruin, that run our lives and ruin our lives, are all under the Bank for International Settlements, and the strong arm for it is the IMF. That's how it works. So it's centralization. Uh, anyway, Hungary's giving them the finger, and good for them, and, uh, and now they're getting threatened, but it hasn't said what they're going to do to threaten them. And I'll also put up, too, the Constitution of Hungary, which really forbids them to go along with things like this anyway. It won't matter to these lawyers, of course, for the EU, but it'll be interesting to see how they manage to ostracize them or whatever they're going to do to punish them. Tonight, too, I'm putting up uh, an article. Another one, this happens all the time, but one of these podgy people, I call them podgy people, these cops, the new cops that you have that take ten times the steroids that they're supposed to take uh, under, under their, you know, their, their little brotherhood there. And they have no necks either, you know. They don't notice that. They, sh- they shouldn't have shirt collars for them because they've got no necks anyway. And, and they're just podgy people, you know, or potato people. And, uh, you see this potato person with a black uniform uh, knocking down this black fella who's 66 years old and suffering from uh, senile dementia, uh, with a drop kick. And, uh, then he puts his whole body on him. He tries to flatten him like a pancake, uh, this podgy person that is. And, uh, and then along comes his pal and tases the guy in the, the guy in the face. It's just to make sure. It's just amazing. This is this is you know. Do you really want to save all this? Do you want to save this system? Do you really want it? Do you understand? It's way past saving. Way past saving. Do you know how you'd have to train officers for a peaceful society? You'd have to fire every cop that's presently on a payroll across the board everywhere, and bring in a new lot under different. Strict, strict, incredibly strict training. That's what you'd have to do. That's how far you'd have to go to stop all. Because all these, these guys have been brought up with video games and you know, I want to be a, just like that guy there with the big gun and so on. They watch all these, these movies too and that's what they consist of. And, and then they, they get these steroids given to them uh, that they promote amongst themselves. And they take ten times the dose and then they eat all, the, all these cookies and stuff and end up like potato people. And black uniforms with, with no brain, you know. So, so you can't retrain these guys, you understand. They're way past retraining. And the more they get off with it, and I often think these articles are there to desensitize the public and get us used to the fact when you see a cop get ready to get stun gunned or flattened or, 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 or your neck broke or something like that. Because that's what, that's all it's doing. There's, there's no movement to stop this. So that's the only reason that can, these, this stuff can be put out there to get us used to the fact that we're just peons. We're nothing at all. We're worth nothing personally. 
That's my opinion. But I'll put the link up tonight. You can watch it for yourselves. And some of you can either laugh, those who are you know, brain damaged with your inoculations, and other ones can, can have a cry about it, the ones who can still remember how it used to be. Also, the former National Security Advisor explains why he's worried about Obama's approach to China, and it's Zygmunt Brzezinski's chat uh, with uh, an interviewer. And he says the Chinese are really good at diplomacy, and he goes through the whole meeting that he had with them, he says, and how, and how they even have jokes in China about the U.S. now, and how they say that, uh, please don't uh, decline too fast. <laughs> Stuff like that, you know. So uh, I'll put this article up too, but Brzezinski does say it's, it's a bit crazy to go into the, more, the eastern countries before you're finished with the Middle East. And um, that's the only little, you know, spaff he has with um, with Obama's policy, or who was, who was running Obama. You know darn well, Obama doesn't run anything, you know. Advisors are far more important. Advisors are all matched. They're all in, in, on their big agenda worldwide. They're all con- commi- connected with the Brotherhood through the, the CFR and etc. They know the agenda. Presidents can be anybody; doesn't matter, you know. Again, the Davos summit is when they all meet at the Bank for International Settlements. Uh, again, for all the central banks. So ahead, ahead of the Davos summit, Goldman Sachs President Gary Cohn talks to the Sunday Telegraph about the outlook for Europe, the U.S. economy, and whether 2012 holds any rays of hope. So this article here is, said, is called The World According to Goldman Sachs, you see, which is pretty well true because it is the military-industrial complex. It owns all the big corporations uh, that are part of the military-industrial complex. It owns countries. And he talks about Goldman Sachs, and they have little tongue-in-cheek uh, quips. It's a very polite thing. It's really a PR thing, really. But uh, it talks about the, the cons that Goldman Sachs been involved in uh, and stuff like that, and tongue-in-cheek. And um, Gary Cohn talks about uh, Blank Fine and all his other pals. And uh doesn't really give out much at all, to be honest with you. It talks about the, the little jokes he makes. Like, it's not jokes at all, you know, doing God's work. Uh, stuff, money, heaven, you know, all, all of that kind of stuff that we're used to hearing. And uh, this article here, that the International Monetary Fund, again, the strong arm of the BIS, Bank for International Settlements and for the central banks, uh, the IMF is to, te- is to stress test Australian banks to see how they'll hold up. Australia's, Australia's banks will endure mandatory stress tests imposed by the International Monetary Fund to ensure they can withstand another financial crisis. Now, you understand you're going to start hearing the IMF in every article every day now? That's how they got, the, got NATO up to strength when they first talked about going into the Middle East. Uh, and even before that, I mentioned to people at the time when NATO was going into Yugoslavia, and in Kosovo for the first time, I said, you're going to hear this from now on. This is the, how they raise themselves to prominence in your mind. And the more a concretized, it makes them more concrete in your mind what they are. But they're actually private organizations. I hope you realize that. These private organizations run us all. Going back to that report on the defense uh, by Obama, he talks about that too. Uh, he talks about uh, all how these international systems now are, are, are taking over, etc. And, and it's, it's wonderful. These private organizations. From what? From your democracy or from your republic, if you like. 
So the IMF has targeted the financial systems of Australia and 17 other countries to undergo rigorous testing as part of a mandatory five-year checkup of the world's top 20 financial sectors. The only way you can fix anything at all is for governments to, to tear up all their treaties and agreements and go back to printing their own money debt-free. That's it. It's only it's going to, and it's not going to happen because these guys run the world. If you run the world, you run all the armies of the world too. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I mentioned too about um, this other article. I mentioned it just briefly yesterday. I mentioned it before. And I put its links up many times. From 1974, Foreign Affairs magazine. Uh, that's the, the CFR, Council on Foreign Relations. It was a hard road to world order. And I'll put up again tonight. And 1974, he talks about the wonderful things that are happening. It says... Um, he says, the gap has never loomed large between the objectives and the capacities. He's bemoaning the fact at that time they didn't have the NATO working together, all the countries working together to go and attack another, uh, somebody who's a lot smaller than themselves, uh, and, and that kind of stuff. But then he goes on again about, it's wonderful that all these organizations again uh, are doing, these private organizations have uh, have gone beyond nationalism and are now transnational as they make these treaties and get governments to sign these treaties into law and and have, were run by an international system. This is 1974. This guy's lauding it all. And how, again, they run a, a ring around the American Constitution. They don't bother just heading it. They just ignore it and just bypass it and make new laws round about it and over top of it. And this is from the big boys themselves. Council on Foreign Relations, that Professor Carl Quigley talked about, and he was a historian for them. But uh, it's well worth a read to see how far they've come since this article was actually published, and uh, and how the world's going to go become totally global, and the UN will lift its up, its side itself up to the the proper status of a world leader or even a world government, and. Uh, as I say, you've got to read it, it's up to yourselves. Uh, and it mentions not a lot, of, a lot of organizations through the United Nations that you now hear on a daily basis, which you did not hear back then, as I say. So you've got to have that and keep that uh, in a safe place in case your computer crashes or they wipe it clean, because you can do that now, of course, from uh, remote locations. And... This article is quite good. It's, uh, in Canada claims, it was in the papers about a week or two ago and I read it at the time, uh, that, uh, that it's, it's just thrown out the Kyoto Protocol to do with carbon, etc. They say that, but it's still going ahead. So they tell the public one thing, but it's actually still going ahead. And this article is called The Canadian Climate Paradox. I'll put it up tonight to show you that individuals are still working for government, are pushing it regardless <laughs> of what the, the main government has said to the, to the Canadian people and how individuals within government are pushing it and getting it going and, and, and continuing to go, etc. Even Alberta apparently is one of the biggest pushers. And that tells you who's behind it all too, the, the ones who helped to draw up these, uh, like the Kyoto Protocols and so on, Greenpeace, World Wildlife Fund, Friends of the Earth, all the usual suspects, etc., etc. And a lot of these guys um, who belong to the organizations that work alongside government, they disappoint themselves to government. We don't elect them. Actually, they're all members of the World uh, um, Wildlife Fund or, as I say, 
um, Friends of the Earth especially. Friends of the Earth's charter is terrifying when you read it because they really want to, ima- they want to decimate the human population here and, and get rid of all industry at all, even all traces of mankind, some of them. <laughs> they're so, so, they're these free radicals again, you know, they're just uh, incredible. But, but that's just what's running the world. And I'll put this article up with another similar one from the same website. Uh, and it's called, uh, uh, those who claim to speak for the future. See, the futurists are, again, are some of those who, who put themselves up there as giving ideas to government, they call it. Again, in their private organization. Says those who claim to speak for the future. I also put an article up, this, this, the main site up, website up for this, this group that they're talking about, the World Future Council. It says some people have a high opinion on themselves. I mean, what sort of personality uh, type do you have to be to imagine that you, self-anointed you, are the voice of future generations? What kind of ego trip do people embark on prior to concluding that amongst the billions of uh, souls inhabiting this planet, it's their own special calling to speak on behalf of those who haven't yet been born? A long list of individuals with this exalted regard for themselves can be found on the website of the World Future Council. I'll put that up for you tonight, cuttingthroughmedias.com. Actually, there are four lists. The first consists of those who are the councillors and honorary councillors of this body amongst these self-aggrandizing mortals we find. This is a Hollywood actress, Daryl Hannah. See, everybody in Hollywood's got to have a cause. You see, you just got to be a cause there to show, just partly to show off your money too, that you can throw away and write off to, to charity. Tim Flannery, the head of Australia's government funded climate commission, is also part of this self-appointed group, you see. Fabio Feldman, I don't know if he's a model or what, who sits on the boards of Greenpeace International, the Nature Conservancy Brazil, and Friends of the Earth. Here they go in Brazil. They're present as well as the Director General for another activist group called the International Union for Conservation of Nature. They're all members in the same group. These are the guys who work through the UN to get you to give up all your rights and tell you not to heat yourself anymore. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, just talking about the organizations that run the world, none of whom we vote for because we don't even know who they are half the time. Most folks don't even know they exist. But uh, I'll put this link up tonight to do with that organization I was mentioning, who plan for the future. They're, they're taking the, the whole burden of the world onto their own shoulders because they're so elite, you see, and, and intelligent, they've decided that uh, they're going to do the job by themselves and they don't even have to tell us what they're up to. I'll put the link up with all the sponsors and all the rest of it. And you'll see they're all connected to the same small clique. And they all, again, are under the United Nations umbrella. Now, I'll go to the callers now. And there's Alex from New York hanging on the line here. Are you still there, Alex? Oh, hey. Yes. I wanted to uh, ask you for a better explanation of the symbolism of the letter Y that you talked about in one of the books. It's a bit hard for me to understand why that letter is so important. Well, partly, you understand that why also is to do with the male chromosome. And uh, it's always been important for, for that reason. But it also represents a trinity, 
There's really three arms if you look at it. And in, in high masonry, they, all, they, go, they have their trinities. Even in their logos, a lot of them have a trinity. Uh, but uh, it's, it's to do with, uh, uh, again, uh, basically the, the male chromosome. Uh, it even sprouted out a few years back in a lot of architecture in big cities. These little chiseled into their, 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 their walls and so on. There's above doors. You have these little Ys all over the place. It hasn't been explained. But uh, it's, it's, to do, it's a, a Masonic thing. It's also to do with the three in one or the two in one. Uh, it's also a hermaphroditic symbol of uh, a change, male and female, basically, into into one, like the two arms. But it's also a plea. It's a plea as well for help. If you're one of the in the brotherhoods, it's telling them that uh, whatever this why is attached to, uh, to go along with whatever agenda um, is attached to is promoting. Because that's what you, that's the, the position you take when you plead for, for help, uh, from your brothers. Even if you don't understand it or quite agree with it, you must always put your moral judgment to the side and be for it. That's, that's a law that you must go by. So technically it's hermaphroditic and it's the alteration of the male, uh, and female into a different species, but mainly the male. The male's already almost there. Yesterday I gave an article where female testosterone is sometimes high, is high on its maximum level as a male, a young male. Uh, and the young males now, once they're over 25, their, their testosterone has plummeted and, and their sperm count is down to it's almost negligible. So the man's already changing. Physically he's changed too. He's got, he's got, he doesn't have such broad shoulders as his father or grandfather had. And um, uh, her, by the way, her appearances are changing. People's noses are getting smaller. So are their ears, just in a generation. And so, uh, why do you think that is? Uh, partly food. There's actually a great book out about it, processed food. We, we found that actually uh, with with a dentist who travelled the world quite a few years back, back in the twenties and thirties. And he t- he looked at Indians, American, North American Indians. That had not, where the parents had not taken uh, processed foods, and the children had, and the children all had the smaller mouths, smaller noses. Their teeth were squashed like ours are. They go over each other, and the parents were completely different. They were nice, wide-spaced, and beautiful. And it was put down to the processed food. He found that with Africans and, and different cultures as well, compared to the parents. And he gives you side-by-side photographs of parents and children. It's just astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. But uh, that's chemicals can certainly have an awful effect on your on your physiology. Uh, so anyway, thanks for calling, and that that's our flashed away from Hamish Mosiel, Frontier Canada. It's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.